Hi, welcome to the Crimsonian. This is Crimson. This is Lori. And this is our weekly happy hour podcast where we discuss the most interesting and compelling news of the week. And it continues. There's nothing compelling going on. I don't know why we keep doing this. Right. I know. <laughs> and even though we promised a Big Bang one year anniversary, uh, the Big Bang was Comey. <laughs> <laughs> Surprise! Yeah, so... Brought to you by the Crimsonian. <laughs> we still will have festivities ahead this summer to celebrate. But the big news for us is that we are recording from a new location. We are. Uh, so I have a new human that's going to occupy my home. So the home <laughs> office is being worked on. And uh, <laughs> at the same time, Lori is starting her own uh, practice. Yes, right? I am. Is that what it, yep. Mm-hmm. Right? Yep. Um, and she got an office, and it seems to be like the perfect recording booth too. Yeah, it seems it seems like it's good. So so yeah, so we are coming to you live from my office from downtown Cincinnati Woo-hoo! by Fort Thomas. <laughs> uh, we jumped the river. Oh shit! This is kind of special. This is the first time we recorded in Ohio. Yeah, something that <laughs> I want to do personally too. Bye, Mitch McConnell. Bye, Rand Paul. <laughs> bye, Matt Bevin. Uh, but hello, Rob Portman. I know. And John Kasich. Well, Kasich is, like, the sanest of the bunch right now, so. That's true. Jeez. Although he even, I saw him on a town hall with Bernie Sanders a couple weeks ago, and I forget, something big had just happened, because something big is always just happening in this country right now, and. uh, I can't remember what it was either. He refused to call Trump a liar and said, he's like, I mean, would you call someone a liar who put out a campaign ad who, like, stretched the truth about a person? And I'm, like, screaming at the TV. I'm like, yes. Yes, that's what a liar is, John Kasich. Yeah. I saw that too and thought, just fucking man up. I know. Bernie did go after him on that one, though, and yeah. it kind of came back around. Bernie was like, see, you know. Well, I think Bernie's <laughs> response was, me and you disagree on fundamentally everything, but you're not a liar because we disagree. Like, this isn't yeah. about politics. You should be able to call a liar a liar. Um. But yeah, so Kasich's the sane one. Portman's kind of sane too. Jeez, I don't even know. Compared what's to happening. over the river in uh, Kentucky, where things have gone full crazy town. Full crazy. <laughs> it's really sad. It is because we love our old Kentucky home, and hopefully, hopefully, this is just a rough chapter of it, but it is not encouraging for us progressives that are living in Kentucky. No, and actually, speaking of Mitch McConnell, this is really interesting. So. Mm-hmm. Uh, Lori and I both went to the Women's March in Cincinnati, mm-hmm. and at the march they had people uh, handing out postcards that you could that were pre-addressed right. to your congressmen and senators. And I think we talked about it once how Rand Paul didn't write Lori back, but wrote her husband back. <laughs> um, and I actually I got written to, but Taylor didn't. Um, but Mitch McConnell, when I was like nineteen, maybe even eighteen sent me a letter that was like, don't ever write me again. (laughs) I mean, it was very diplomatic because he's a politician, but it was basically like we had to agree to disagree and move on with our lives. (laughs) Um, But I I haven't tried since then, but I did Mm -hmm. it at this event. And I guess since my name has changed because I'm married, (gasps) I got a letter back from Mitch McConnell for like the first time. You're back on the list. I'm back on the list. But the best part is, is that my diplomatic, like sane husband Apparently, like, just cussed him out. Like, <laughs> just wrote a whole bunch of shitty things and sent the postcard. And so we compared the letters because he got one back. Uh-huh. And mine was like, dear, dear friend. And his was like, Mr. McDonald. 
And, like, his was, like, two sentences, and mine was, like, you know, multiple paragraphs of how, you know, he was going to do due diligence or whatever. That's interesting. Um, but, we yeah. Got the, we got the long letters back from him, so I guess I, I only told Rand Paul to eat a bag of dicks. I don't know what I said to Mitch I know. McConnell. I know. I'm like, what did you say to Mitch? Because, I mean, Taylor's the type that would never just, like, be like, you fucking dickhead. And he was like, yeah, I just was like, you're a fucking asshat. Um, but, you know, we have a lot of baggage with Mitch. He's been, I mean, he's been my senator my entire life except for the year that i lived in ohio well and he is the face of conservative politics yeah um you know in america i think i don't i i, I can't imagine i can't think of anyone yeah. else who better exemplifies that and he's a turtle he does look like a turtle yeah you know that like the like conspiracy theories about like how like there's a reptilian like alien race and that's like what like all the superpowers that be or like these reptiles have you ever heard this i think so i don't know i one day i had youtube on and it just went to a weird place (laughs) so anyway um the only thing that makes me think like hmm is when i look at mitch mcconnell's face and i go hmm he may be one he may be a reptile that is ridiculous (laughs) but why not right I mean, seriously, he he is the person that got Gorsuch in office, I mean, in the Supreme Court. Yeah. I mean, he is really responsible for all of the Republican victories. He was the one that obstructed Obama for yeah. so long. So, Absolutely. I mean, he is an effective, good-at-his-job politician, whether you agree with him or not. I would say the same thing. He's an effective, good-at-his-job douchebag. Yes, yes. <laughs> I would so. just, just modify that slightly. Yeah. <laughs> um, and perhaps part of an alien reptile Conspiracy. Why not? Why not? Why not? The crazier shit's happened. Trump's our president. <laughs> oh. <laughs> right? Wah, wah, wah. I know. I know. All right. So normally we catch up, but really our catching up is we're in a new location. We are. Yeah. And uh, as a continuation of last week. So last week we talked about liberal snowflakes mm-hmm. and um and freedom of speech, particularly on college campuses. Right. And people's sensitivities and political correctness. And right after that happened, we had um, the comedian Kathy Griffith. Griffin. Griffin. Who's Kathy Griffith? Is that the... You're thinking of a friend who has that last name. Oh. Okay. Um, (laughs) Anyhow, so she is a comedian. Uh, If you don't recognize her name, she's the redhead, kind of loudmouth. She was on, um, like, Life on the D-List or something was her reality show. I mean, she's very much about embracing her D-List kind of... Uh, level and celebrity uh she's a favorite of like andy cohen so she's often on bravo and um and did the uh new year's eve special with anderson cooper on cnn yeah uh, that's for, like the last couple of years that's, that's probably, probably what biggest... she's so known for yeah um she's pretty like honestly as a comedian i'm not really into her style or shtick but i will say like her reality show she had a very um kind of real presence about it and a real kind of just owning things for what they were and her parents were hilarious they were the star that's awesome (laughs) no i never really watched the show because again i'm not like the reality tv person miss Um, out girl yeah so i don't really know her people be weird when i think of her i just think of like the queen of the gays yeah like the gays love some kathy yeah um but yeah so she did, she teamed up with some famous photographer, I can't think of his name, mm, I don't know. Um, and she published a photo of her 
holding a decapitated Donald Trump head. Covered in blood. Covered in blood. Well, of course. I mean, it was chopped off. It's not like she went and scrubbed out his orange hair. But, you know, I wonder. I wonder if it hadn't been covered in blood, if it would have the same response. Just curious. Yeah. Because I think the caption is, she said, I'm pro-gore or I'm with gore or something like that. And it was like a play on the fact that, you know, gory. Um, And, of course, Al Gore and, you know, everything. Well, and this was after the Paris Paris. climate change. Oh, shit. Yeah. What the fuck was that about? Yeah. That just, that we look so fucking dumb. I know. Just dumb. We avoided this last week because there's nothing nothing productive to say. No, we just looked dumb. We look like dummies. We're taking a step back. We're sick of leading. Yeah. We want to follow. And everybody else, all the other world leaders have basically had speeches this this week. They're like, ah, so the thing is, like, America, I don't know, you guys. The North Koreans were like, what the fuck is wrong with America? I'm like... (laughs) Oh, my God. We have a dictator from North Korea making fun of us. Like, Sounds uh, about right. I think Donald Trump was bullied a lot when he was young, and now he's going to make America be the bullied country. I don't know, man. I... How can you not pick on him? I mean, I'm sorry. I'm not advocating bullying in any way, but, like, Well, I the think guy that there's a, a, a level of defensiveness and um, um, bullshit that it's hard not yeah. to be poking the bear. So, like, yeah. my favorite is I think we should do, like, a hands across America sort of thing, but we should all put on, like, like giant hands. <laughs> <laughs> so we can make, make fun of his small hands. Oh, God. Because I think, like, I just keep going back to this, like, this idea that, like, he's embarrassed of his hands and that he feels the need to compensate for his hands. It's ridiculous. It is, and I think that's why... Again, bullying's not good. I'm not advocating right. for it. But you kind of are asking for it when you're an insecure asshole, yeah. right? This isn't like the kid that's really well, sweet. I wouldn't say that's getting... asking for it, but I think that there's a there's a level of human nature to the fact that, like, we see it. I see the insecurity yeah. in you, and you keep trying to, to hide it, right. to make it something that it's not, and to have maybe certain things that overcompensate, like, a big ass truck or right. the White House. I don't know. Different. Whatever things. you need. <laughs> Whatever you need. Um, and I think that's kind of where I don't think it's so much bullying, but I think there's a real strong sense that um, I think we all have insecurities, right? You know. Right. And I think part of being an adult and growing into adulthood is knowing the fact that you have those, and you don't have to always like put them on blast. But part of being an adult is is recognizing that and owning the fact that you do have insecurities. Again, once again, here we are. Donald Trump is not an emotionally mature individual. And instead of actually owning the insecurity for what it is, we have this sense that there's just more bullshit and more uh, maneuvering around it. And I think that is where people get very much like they want to poke that bear. Yeah, I think that's what it is. It's inauthentic. I think of like the cute, sweet, adorable person that gets picked on, right? Because they Mm -hmm. don't fit in or... But with him, it's it's different because it's like he is in your face, arrogant, and he's an asshole to you. Well, so. he's a bully. That's why yeah, you're saying you know, true. and and it's not uncommon that bullies get bullied. Yeah. You know, that's not a. We often think about it as the bully and the bullied, but oftentimes these are much more fluid concepts. Um, and he he is a bully. I mean, I yeah. think you know, like not refusing to negotiate, um, on the Paris Agreement when that was completely a possibility is is a bully move it's a dick move you're asserting your power um and it's just oh god 
He's so frustrating. Okay, so let's move on. Okay, Kathy Griffith yeah. posted a picture of her holding his decapitated bloody head. Mm-hmm. Um, and the backlash has been enormous. She got fired from CNN, uh, so she will not be doing the She Anderson went from the Cooper. D-list to, like, the Z-list. Yeah, like, instantly. Yeah. Uh, Donald Trump came out and said his kids were disturbed. Well, if they weren't disturbed by you grabbing women by the pussy, they have fucking mental problems. <laughs> um, and... There is this question of, like, political correctness. I mean, people immediately went to Ted Nugent, always talked about hanging uh, Obama. What about Sasha and Malia? Yeah. Where was the consideration there? Yeah. Um, Um, So there was a lot of, like, hypocritical commentary from the right. our political system? But, again, liberals did what liberals do, and they joined the outrage. Well, and I think, you know... One of the things we talked about last week, and I think one of that, that really, that fuzzy line is incitement and mm-hmm. um, threat of violence, right? Nobody's going to decapitate No, 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 no. I know. I, well, it's, we still have a long ass time, so I don't know what's going to happen. <laughs> but not because of Kathy Griffith. Griffin, no, like, but I think that there's, I think, you know, there's a, there's a commentary here about, you know, what is the most productive type of, of conversation right. and things like this, I do not believe are the most productive. Do people have a right to do them? Absolutely. Do people have, a, you know, do other people have a right to react and have consequences to them? Absolutely. Is it the most productive way to go about it? No. I mean, she's a comedian, so I think you know there's some room for artistic licensure there. Right. Um, she wasn't trying to be productive. <coughs> that wasn't her goal. I don't think it was her goal, but I think you have to keep in mind that as someone who has some type of celebrity status. You have a different kind of horse in this race, right? Right. Um, and it's not that it's your responsibility to have productive conversation or anything like that. But I think that, you know, she suffered the consequences because it wasn't thought all the way through. Yeah. I mean, I guess where I net out is do what you're going to do. People are going to get pissed about yeah. it, whatever. But at the end of the day, it's a protected form of free speech. People did shitty things to Obama. It's just part of life. Well, and, and Kathy, I think what was more, like, telling was Donald Trump's fucking weak-ass, like, whiny little bitch response to it. Well, yeah. And, I mean, she came out and she had a press conference where she basically said that she's been bullied. And that was, that. like, a whiny little bitch move, too. No, I agree. And that, that to me, I think, you know, there's a difference between... If she wanted to have a press conference, she'd up and say, you know what? I was wrong. That was, like, not an appropriate thing to do. These are the issues I wanted to bring attention to. And, you know, this is the alternative way that I'm going to do that. Right. I think that would have been, that could have been, like, salvaging for her. But instead she just, like, whined, right? Yeah, she's, you know, they're they're bullies. It ended my career. Yeah, well. It's like, well, what did you think? Yeah. Like, you had to be prepared. I would not Liberals are are way too politically correct to accept that. And Mm -hmm. Republicans are up Trump's ass to accept that. So... Yeah, it was really stupid of her. But we also are in a place, too, where culturally things are simmering, right? So something like this maybe wouldn't have gotten that big of a reaction four years ago if it was Obama, you know? Um, But right now things are are tense, and I think, you know, it was just – it was an ill-suited move and an ill-suited time. Um, And I wish that her response to it had been different, you know? Yeah, I feel like that's how – it, I don't care that she did it. Who cares? Yeah. I think people overreacted, but the people that overreacted the most were, one, Trump should have just laughed and been like, ha, oh, it looks like Ned Stark's head. And <laughs> she should have just responded like, art is art. If you're going to be a yeah. whiny little bitch about it, be a little whiny bitch. But yeah. 
I do what I want. Yeah. Um, but I think both of them were like little babies. Mm-hmm. So yeah. So I mean, again, I'm not endorsing this form of art. I don't. I don't think it's productive, but she's a comedian, and I don't expect her to be productive. So I think comedy, and we talked a little bit about this, comedy has a really important place in resistance. Yeah. Um, but I think that it gets very kind of blurry as to where mm-hmm. that place is. And I would say that I think the people that are going consistently well are actually SNL. Yes. I think that they are being very pragmatic about and, and selective about where they're going, what they're saying. That's true. Um, but I think, you know, the example, the flip side is that Jimmy Fallon interview he did with Trump before he was elected, where it was kind of a, you know, kind of a snowball sort of mess. Yeah. Um, and, and the fact that it normalized a lot of the things. And I think there's a real dangerous piece. No, I don't want to use the word dangerous with comedy. Um it's a tool that can be used in many different ways. And I think um, if the ultimate goal is to uh, get political commentary, to uh, push in the resistance, it needs to be used in a thoughtful way. And unfortunately, I don't think in this case it was used in a thoughtful way. Agreed. Agreed. Well, okay. Hashtag whiny little bitch. All of them are little whiny <laughs> bitches. Um, but yeah, so uh, now we'll move on to the big topic of the week and we do mean big and we do mean we mean large (laughs) tall big uh james comey testified before the senate uh committee so i feel that i need to uh just kind of out myself here a little bit yeah i think you need to (laughs) listeners deserve to know that you are fucking biased i am so into james comey right now i have like such a crush on him which i mean let's back up like i don't know let's say Nine months. Yeah. Um, to when James Comey basically handed Donald Trump the election. Yeah. No, absolutely. Do you remember that? Yes, I do remember that. And you still think he's hot? Well, <laughs> I think he's hot for two reasons that are completely unrelated. Number one, he's super tall. And I know you guys have heard me talk about this. I have a very tall husband. And as a result, I'm just very into tall men. And this guy's even taller than my husband. You can't even really tell he's that tall when he's sitting behind a desk. I know. Though. But then you see him walk and you're like, dang. <laughs> the second thing is and his for, testimony multiple times he said lordy he is a true southerner and i am just oh man i'm i'm feeling it no i think that he is a complex person who has played a very complicated and complex role and will continue to do so in um our country's history um i don't agree with everything that he's done um but i think what we saw in his testimony yesterday was someone who ultimately does have a respect for the role that he was in Mm. um and uh at times i can at least say i think that he did his best to try and negotiate that role yeah i mean i i struggle with this because like my mom like she wants his head on a stake, man. She's like, going to go all Kathy Griffin. Oh, uh, yeah. Like, <laughs> when she heard he got fired, she's like, good. Like, didn't even see through, like, the yeah. realities of the firing. It was just like, I think she reacted the way Trump thought Democrats would react, yeah. right? And I've always said, yes, James Comey made a mistake. And, yes, the implications of that mistake was Hillary Clinton not being president, mm-hmm. um, which are dire. I mean, case in point, Paris Climate Change Climate mm-hmm. Agreement. Um, but I never got the intention, and this is just me, that he did it to throw it to Trump. I think he really thought Hillary was going to win and that his loyalty was 100% for the FBI. And he mm-hmm. was worried that Hillary would win the election 
information would come out about the investigation against her, and he thought it would reflect poorly on the FBI and mm-hmm. make people believe that the FBI was not independent of the executive branch. Yeah. And I think that what I saw yesterday only emboldens my point, mm-hmm. because what you can tell about him is he respects the institution of the United States government. Mm-hmm. He is a process person, very similar to people that are in the military, right? There's like a order of command, and there's a process to things, and that is how he lived his life for 58 years. Um, but it was way more dramatic than I expected. Well, and we were... First of all, let me say that I I agree. I do think that he is, and I think it's kind of a rarity in some senses to see someone who is, um, at least for our generation, to see somebody who is so philosophically wedded to what they do, right? Oh, yeah, or just even principled. Yeah. Like consistent on the principles. You know, and I think that there's there's pros and cons to that, right? Um, And I think he said before he was fired and he was giving another testimony, you know, he said he was mildly nauseous. Um, yes. that the FBI might have had done anything to do with swinging the election. And we'll never know, you know, what that implication was. Um, but I do agree in the sense that he is very principled to a point. And I think you're right. I think yesterday really kind of showed that in a different way. Yeah. Um, one of the things we heard was that people in D.C. were at bars watching this like it was the <laughs> Super Bowl, which I, I just love that. It's so D.C., right? <laughs> right. You know, the it's things that bring DC together. Yeah, uh, which as a total sidebar, have you finished House of Cards this season yet? No. Oh, working through. Keep it. watching, but it's very. You know, DC has this flavor, has this tone, and when I heard that, I was like, yeah, yeah, that that makes perfect fucking sense. But I think a lot of people were expecting some type of smoking gun. I'm not sure that we're ever going to get a smoking gun in this situation. I think that's one of the things that ca- is causing a lot of frustration. Um, but is also playing into the fact that I think a lot of people are realizing, myself included, just the intricacies of how our government works in all the different layers and how even when we're all saying, I think something happened here that mm-hmm. was illegal, this that's not enough. No, it's, it shows how gray it is, right? It's right. not black and white. And I think that I listened to the whole thing. And when you're listening to it, there was no smoking gun. But there were moments. It's kind of one of those things that when you step back and just look at the facts, mm-hmm. that's the smoking gun, right? I mean, there, it's like, okay, so I actually thought it was very interesting because it remind Comey felt the way women probably feel with Donald Trump in a sexual harassment scenario. <laughs> so, for example, you know, like... Pussy? You get invited to your boss's house for dinner, yeah. and you're like, oh, my wife's going to be there. And then you get there, and nobody else is there. Like, <laughs> fucking creepy. Like, that would be so creepy. And I'm sure there are women listening to this that have been in that situation with their creepy, perverted boss, right? Yeah. Like, you get there, and you think, oh, all the office, the people that work at the office are going to be there. And then you get there, and it's just you and your fucking boss. And then, and then he asked about loyalty, which... Okay, so I don't think that's, like, illegal or maybe even unethical just because he's a fucking idiot. And if I give him fucking idiot points. unpack that. I think that's the one thing that, like, you know, one of the conservative talking points has been, well, two of them have been, you know, loyalty to country. Like, that's, like you said, it's not an unethical thing to ask. It's a a meaningful question. And then the other thing, the other excuse that they have is basically he's a toddler and he doesn't know what he's doing. You can't hold him accountable like you would any other seven-year-old. I know. Oh, Jesus. Um, So I think, you know, this idea of loyalty, I do think it's a pretty complex 
I mean, there could be a lot of different meaning there. And it does get, like you said, into this really gray situation. The other thing to keep in mind, too, is that there is still another special investigation going on. And there were certain things that Comey was not allowed to talk about yesterday. Well, Um, on the day before, there were a a panel of national security specialists and the deputy attorney general basically would not answer any questions. Yeah. Um, And they didn't say why. It wasn't like they used executive privilege. It wasn't... Like, they denied certain things or just like, I'm not going there, um, which is really concerning also. Mm-hmm. Um, and with Comey, I mean, I think that, like, the thing that was the smoking gun for me, what ended up being the smoking gun was the meeting where Trump asked everyone to leave the room. <laughs> yeah. And the reason going why... Going back to your creepy boss metaphor. Exa- yeah. I mean, it is. It really is. Um, but at the end of the day... Take partisanship. Take the fact that it's Donald Trump away, right? If someone said to me, you're going to meet with someone who is mildly brain dead, um, but they consider themselves the king of negotiations. They are from Manhattan. Sorry, I'm stuck on your mildly brain dead I mean, he, he has issues. Let's say <laughs> mild dementia. Okay. Um, they are from Manhattan. They're real estate developers. They're, they think they're kings of negotiation. They've had everything handed to them. You go into a room with them with a group of people, and then at the end, they're like, I want you to stay. Immediately, I would know that's an intimidation tactic. I mean, that is in negotiations. That is an intimidation tactic. Mm-hmm. Um, if it's not an intimidation tactic, it's to hide something, right? Yeah. So either of those scenarios, there is not one other scenario that would justify asking everyone else to leave the room. Yeah. I mean, there really isn't. So you're either trying to intimidate someone, which is probably true, or you're about to do something that you don't want anyone else to witness. Right. Which is also probably true. And Comey true. did go to sessions on several occasions and, and said, say, this is, this is weird. Again, <laughs> sexual harassed woman yeah. in the workforce with a creepy old boss, yeah. right? Like, I don't want to lose my job over this, and but keep me away from the creep. Like, yeah. don't leave me alone in a room. He's going to grab my fucking pussy. <laughs> and, I mean, I hate to say it, but, like, Comey's taking it getting, like, all the backlash that white men deserve in the world. Lordy. Yeah. He's getting set up as a woman in a sexual harassment situation. But, I mean, they're really – that's what I keep going back to. Like, no, I don't care if you're Republican, Democrat, impartial in this. If you saw that scenario in any other case, you would say, why did every witness leave the room? Mm-hmm. You don't need Comey's testimony that Sessions seemed hesitant to do it, that Priebus kept going coming in to, like, because he was nervous, too. He even said Kushner seemed, like, a little uneased with the yeah. idea of everyone leaving the room. So there really is no justification for that. Well, and I think to further your point, I think, you know, one of the interesting responses that came from, um, I would say, the official channel of communication from the White House, so Twitter, yes. um, early this morning was this this statement by uh, Trump saying that he was completely vindicated yesterday um, and goes back to that weird, weird, like, firing letter that was like, although you've told me on three separate occasions, it's like, it's just very strange. Narcissism. Well, I think it's the power of the narrative. They're trying to control that narrative. And he puts that out and people are like, oh, okay, I didn't listen to the whole thing, but I guess you were vindicated, so we're cool, right? Yeah, and he was, in the sense, Comey was like, at the time, he wasn't being investigated. And they're like, is he now? And they're like, <laughs> Comey's like, that's a question for the person investigating him. I mean, and at the end of the day, Comey kind of 
tried to help Trump avoid things like that. Like, at yeah. one point he said Trump wanted him to come out and say that he wasn't being investigated, and Comey was like, yeah, but then you're putting yourself in Hillary Clinton's situation where if I come out and comment on it, then if it's updated, I have to come out and comment on it, a.k.a. we're about to start investigating you. Do you really <laughs> want me to come out and tell everyone? Because the other thing that I thought was interesting, so for me it was like, I kept feeling for him like I feel for, like, a victim of sexual assault. So I was like, this I see is the, weird. I see this narrative very strongly. Yes, that was weird for me. The second part was um, the Jeff Sessions thing. Yeah. Like, I don't know if you caught that, but they started asking about Sessions, and basically he said he couldn't tell. I mean, Sessions is in the chain of command, was his boss. Yeah. And he wasn't telling Sessions things about Russia because, as he said, there was reason to believe he was getting ready to recuse himself. But I can't tell you those reasons because it's part of the investigation. Well, and didn't he also, he came out and said that there was a third time that um, Sessions had met with the Russian ambassador. Mm-hmm. So that was another kind of continuing bombshell yesterday. Right. Um, as far as just the questionable nature of what type of relationship they have. The other thing to keep in mind is that... Um, they just change things so that the Russians can get their spy compounds back in DC. I saw that. Which is like, why again? How bad optics, you guys. But it doesn't matter because their base is blind to this. And I just, I, kind I don't of think wish... it's blind. I think it's you know, it's a an unwillingness to to be wrong. Yeah, I mean, it's it's the grit aspect, right? The grit, like yeah. I'm committed. I'm not getting out of this, no matter how deep I have to dig this hole. And in fact, I mean, there's a lot of, um, I forget what the term is, but, you know, as far as, like, psychological studies, there's a lot to, the more you suffer for something, the more you believe in it. And this is why hazing with fraternities and sororities is still an issue. This idea that if you suffer to join, uh, then it actually, it has a meaning to you that it wouldn't have if you hadn't suffered. Well, it's also the reason why it's so hard for domestic violence victims to get out of the relationship, right? Like... Once happens once, if you get out that first time, that's one thing. But once you're in years and years, to go and go and there's go. just like a learned helplessness that goes with it. Well, and I think, you know, you have to remember that his base have been, they've been fed, um, I won't come out and say lies, but they've been fed uh, a lot of very divisive rhetoric for a long time. Oh, did you see Fox News headline about this? No. So James Comey says that Trump, did not direct him to stop investigating Flynn. He said that he would hope he would, but that he took it as a directive. So Comey himself said that given the facial expressions, the setting, you know, the optics, the context, that is how he took it as a directive. So, But Fox News headline was... James Comey confirms Donald Trump did not direct him to end the investigation on Michael Flynn. So as a psychotherapist, I spend a lot of my time reframing (laughs) things, right? Right. You know, myself, with clients, part of my life, right? And sometimes you get, like, this level of, like, reframe exhaustion. Yes. I'm just, I'm just, I'm just tired of it. I do it with my toddler all day. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you get it. uh, It's just, like, at a certain point, you're just like, fuck it. Right. (laughs) I see the glass is half empty, and that is where we are at right right now. And then you get some more emotional energy, and you're able to go back to it. And I just have a really strong sense of empathy for everybody that works over at Fox because they just must be exhausted with oh reframing God. this shit. The whole Republican Party has to be... I keep saying, I don't think Republicans will do anything about it. And I don't know if I want them to. Um, I think that there's a, there's a power to I don't the want stalemate Pence. that we have right yeah, now, right? Yeah, but I think there is like a... 
you know they're going home and bashing their head on their desk like please stop tweeting please well make this i end. know the ones that actually uh know what they're doing and care about this country but i don't know how many of those i mean yeah, there's a lot of our like i don't think paul ryan gives a shit he's an opportunist but he is tired of having to go out and talk. He's been waiting Paul for Paul Ryan's him. out there pumping. <laughs> pumping iron. Pumping iron. What does he do? The 90... P90X. P90X. He's like, whatever. He doesn't even care. He's just yeah. looking in the mirror. <laughs> What's up, Paul Ryan? Oh, God. You're looking like you're going to take Medicaid away from people today. Yeah. Well, and Mike <laughs> Pence just looks so done with the whole thing. Um, so, yeah, they have to be getting exhausted. You can only defend this for so much. In fact... They've I think defended it way longer than than I thought. Yeah. And I think that's been one of, for progressives, I think that's been part of the exhaustion of just like, okay, well, this this has to be bad enough. Something's going to happen now. Okay, no. Well, this has to be bad enough. Something's right. going to happen now. Okay, well, no. Okay, so he's going to grab people by the pussy and we're cool about that? Great. All right. You know, it's yeah, just that it the, just the, you know, the goalpost is, I, I don't even know if it exists anymore. Yeah. No, it's. It's exhausting. Yeah. It really it is. is. And at some point, they're going to give up. But if Session resigns... So the other news that broke this week is that Sessions offered his resignation because him and Donald are fighting. They're having a fight. Aw. Talking about whiny little bitches, Session, like, he embodies it in a physical way. Like, he's, like, so mousy <laughs> and so, like... I don't know. Like, something about him... It's just like this mousy little whiny bitch. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I don't know. He is also bringing back the drug war to prove he has balls, which is just absurd. Oh, my God. So if he resigns, that would be great because um, he lost his Senate seat and he'd be out of the administration. So that would be nice. Um, but I Yeah, I did hear that they were they were having a fight. But the thing is, like, um, he finally, Trump finally found someone to take over the FBI who has literally no experience in law enforcement well he defended chris christie okay well there's that um and nobody wants these positions and i you know i gotta say it says a lot about you if you take a job in this administration at this point i think it's it's and i hate to use this term but it's career suicide yeah well and i even i even think like gorsuch you know the supreme court nominee like, the fact that he continued on the path after the filibuster and everything that the Senate uh, Republicans were doing, it's like, you're supposed to be a strict constitutionalist. Be consistent. Yeah. If you were, you would stand up and be like, no, my nomination is not worth undoing the government. And so it just shows he's a perfect Trump nominee because he Opportunist is... Opportunist everywhere. Yes. It, it is incredible. But I think as the administration progresses into its fifth month, um, oh, my God. I know. Isn't that crazy? How many people have quit and all the shit that's happened? But I think you're seeing people back down. Like, I don't really want that job. Yeah. I think people thanks are recognizing no that, like, this is not a train you want to get no. on. If you, I mean, now, if you want to just, like, get to the top and then, like, be done with things after that, then, yeah. I well, guess but so. I think if you're in D.C., like, I don't know. I recently learned this. And I don't think a lot of people just know, but... Um, when Bill Clinton got in the Lewinsky uh, trauma, a lot of his staffers, I mean, they were millions of dollars in legal debt mm-hmm. um, from that impeachment oh, hearing. Oh, wow. Yeah, a lot of them That makes bankrupt. sense because they have to personally yeah. cover their... Right. So yeah. they're, I mean, they're basically like contractors, right? So they're legally liable for themselves. So 
at this point working for Trump, you are putting yourself at financial risk for and it's career suicide. So mm-hmm. you're going to leave with millions of dollars with legal bills and you'll never get a job again. Yeah. Um, so it's not a it's not a good pick at this point. Um, and he keeps yelling at Democrats for not approving, approving his nominees. And it's like, you, you haven't really, put any out. Yeah, you don't really have any. <laughs> and we don't have a majority. You yeah. can get whoever you want in. Just nominate them yeah. and the Republicans will do it for you. But yeah, so I think my takeaway from the Comey thing, trying to be like non-biased, is that I think it's also hilarious how Republicans are like, Trump is vindicated. James Comey lied. It's like, wait, <laughs> you can't pick the one thing he said that you agree with mm-hmm. and say that was true. Oh, yes, they can. And then categorically <laughs> f- throw away everything oh, yes. else Going back said. to the Fox News, yes, that's exactly And secondly, right. if only 10, 15% of what he said was true, which I don't believe. I mean, I think he's genuine. Like, fuck, I hope there's tapes. It'll end this nightmare of mine. Um, but even if only a small percent is true, we have some major issues. So as much as, like... I don't want Trump impeached because I'm scared of Mike Pence from a political standpoint. And the Republican Party actually, like, operating. Right. It, that scares the shit out of me. Yeah, I would like for them just to stay in this level of, like, disarray for another... Right. Oh, I don't know. But being... Uh, <laughs> three years and nine months. months yeah. <laughs> but the problem is, is that Trump is dangerous. Mm-hmm. And not from a political standpoint, from every other standpoint. National security. I would say uh, he's dangerous from a political standpoint, Yeah, too. I mean, in every way. So it's like, yeah, I don't want Pence and his policies. Yeah. I don't want the Republican Party functional. But I also, like... This guy could be selling America off behind our backs, and we don't even know it. And we kind of do. I mean, they came yeah. out with an infrastructure plan to have private corporations do everything, mm-hmm. including air travel, but whatever. Um, I guess it was air traffic control. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, they're kind of thinking the Reagan-esque style of, like, let's sell off parts of America. Yeah. Um, but who knows? And with Russia, like, he's giving... Russia, U.S. soil, basically. Yeah. Um, so maybe Pence and his political machine is scary from a policy standpoint, but we'll still have our country? I don't know. I don't know. I think we're in a lesser of two evils. I don't even want to say yeah. lesser. A choice between evils <laughs> yeah. at this point. Um, I, I mean, I don't know. I mean, would Mike Pence be able to get anything done if he can't go have a like dinner with a woman who isn't his wife. No, they don't have any women in the. <laughs> oh, that's true. Yeah, yeah. There's no woman in the cabinet. Never mind. And Betsy be DeVos fine. probably wouldn't go out to eat with oh, him anyway. I hate her. Everyone hates her. But like, I do feel you know like... that we're paying thirty five thousand dollars a day to protect her? She's the first Secretary of Education that's needed uh, Secret Service detail. I feel very strongly about. Every... I've made it very clear on this podcast about everyone in that administration, but her. Mm. A She's special a special level kind. Of I know. I really. Mm, 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 you know, mm. you just hate her because she's in her sixties and she got her first job and it's a better job than you have. <gasps> Girl, you got me. Yeah, exactly why. <laughs> well, my takeaway from the Comey is Lordy. Lordy. No I'm kidding. <laughs> oh my god. So Lori sell out today. <laughs> <laughs> All right. No, so. <laughs> I think, you know, I, th- I think you said, like, you know, he could have lied. I don't think he lied under oath. I think he's he's too principled. I think he knows yeah. what that means. Uh, one of the things we talked about before we went live today is the fact that Trump has come out and said, I'll testify under oath, which we think is hilarious that he's offering. He won't. It's Man, he wouldn't a second. It's his attorneys that won't let yeah. him. 
Yeah. I mean, I don't even care if you're a paralegal. Yeah. And, and there are very, a lot of par- paralegals who are very talented. But, like, if you've taken one law enforcement class, you're yes. going to be like, I don't think it's a good idea, yeah. Mr. President. Because yeah. my sense is, is that you can't help yourself from lying. So come on. I'd love it. I yeah. want, like, an orange is the new black for, like, the Trump family. <laughs> now, that is a reality show I would watch. And I like that, oh, like, this, the orange, I think it goes well. It does. Like it matches. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah, so, well, nice work, Comey. You made it way more dramatic than Woo-woo. I expected you to. I thought you would just sit there and be like, he did not obstruct justice. It is fine. But instead, you gave us lots to chew on, and I don't think mm-hmm. you did it for any other reason but to be honest well the thing that I liked you know and I, I think this cements for me the honesty thing is he came out and he said he did leak that memo you know yeah. he asked he asked for someone to help him leak that because he thought it would get a special prosecutor and I mean that was that was a ballsy thing to admit to yeah and well and I think that Trump came out and was like his attorney came out and said they're gonna make a complaint that was illegal but no classified leaks are illegal so what happened this week or in the last week was there was a an employee of the Pentagon, I think, that leaked a classified NSA. the NSA uh, that leaked a classified document that showed um, Russia had tried hacking a voting what like I don't want to say voting booth. It um, wasn't voting booth. It was like a system for yeah. that of registered voters. Um, and, and she was arrested. Mm-hmm. And the difference between her and Comey is that it is not illegal for a government official to publish a memo. Mm-hmm. Comey published it's his a memo. It's his communication. It's not executive privilege. He was not an employee when he did it. And it was not classified. There was, there was no, there was nothing illegal about that. Um, and so, because some people are saying, well, Comey said he was worried about leakers, but he is one. Comey's worried about the leaks, like, oh, I don't know, telling Russia about Israel's classified uh, information. But I don't think he's worried about memos post-meetings getting leaked, as should none of us. I mean, that is not illegal activity, and that's why he admitted to it with no shame, because it's legal, period. But anyhow, so this week, you know, we are starting to talk about things that we are grateful for. And this week we decided to talk about being grateful for whistleblowers. I wish I could whistle right now. Can you whistle? There you go. <laughs> whistleblowers. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, so uh, there are many whistleblowers of the past. There's, you know, from Watergate, we had Deep Throat. Deep Throat. Uh, Why don't our whistleblowers have cool names anymore? I don't know. It's a good question. I guess nothing's ever going to compare with Deep Throat, right? And they get busted now. Yeah, that's true. You know, like Deep Throat stayed anonymous for a long time. There's also, is it Nina Totenberg from NPR who got the Nita Hill like story? She's never leaked mm. how she got that. And she hasn't even told her husband. Like it'll oh. die with her. Um, so it depends on the scenario, I guess. But uh, yeah, so. I kind of take a conservative stance on whistleblowers. Um, like, I'm not a Snowden fan. Mm-hmm. You it's, mentioned that, that. So tell me why. Because I do think when it is classified and can become a national security problem, it should not be leaked. Mm-hmm. 
Or if it is, it should be leaked to the proper authorities. Mm-hmm. So, like, with Snowden, there was... He wasn't protecting anyone. He was... He got the job with the intention of doing what he did. It was, like, premeditated leaking. Mm-hmm. It wasn't, like, oh, you're at work and you realize... You know, if he had just been working at the NSA and he realized they were tapping phone calls and he went to a couple people and they shut him down and then he leaked it, I'd probably feel a little bit different. But instead it was like, yeah, I got a job, I infiltrated, I downloaded all this documentation, then I released it. And then I went to fucking Russia and hid. Like He went little... to Hong Kong first. Yeah, but he ended up in Russia. Because it's the only place that would take him. Yeah, because he's a whiny little bitch. Apparently Russians like whiny little bitches. Donald Trump, Jeff Sessions, Jared Kushner, come on. I don't know. I just think that it was... Uh... Have you seen Citizen 5? No, is that the Snowden mm-hmm. movie? Yeah, it's no. an HBO documentary. You should watch it. I think you might have a different well, perspective after. Opinion. Yeah, I mean, I think it's interesting to me that you you do have such a conservative approach because you are so such a constitutionalist, you know. And I think that this was a situation where I do feel that our rights were being violated. But do you think he would have been like locked up in Guantanamo for whistleblowing? Because the thing is, and this is something that people don't clarify often, is there are protections for whistleblowers. If you have information mm-hmm. and you go through the proper channels, mm-hmm. you can have protections. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Mm. So, yes, there are on paper protections for whistleblowers. Right. Give me an example of a situation where that actually worked out. Deep throat. That was before the protections were there. So he was fine even without protections. Well, I think the deep throat was a very, I think it's a very specialized case in that that person was able to maintain their anonymity. Let's talk about the Enron situation, which is probably one of the most uh, contemporary examples of the whistleblowing situation not working, okay? The thing is, with whistleblowing, you don't know who you're going to and what agenda they have. And you can end up getting fucked by it. And so you have two options as a whistleblower, to follow the correct channels, which I wish that they worked, but to be honest with you, I do not believe that they do. Um, or you just say balls to the wall. And fly to Hong Kong and take classified information and potentially give it to foreign governments? I mean, I'm not saying it's... it's. I am not saying that it is clearly right or okay. But I think that we live in very strange times. And I think that as Americans, I think we've been very in the dark to some degree. Um, as to what's been happening with our information and what the agenda is with our government. I think that's very clear even right now. It goes back to what I was saying earlier about, you know, this this murkiness of what's right, what's wrong, what are these processes? And I think it is naive to trust that the whistleblower protections actually work. I, I guess for me, it's not that they actually work. It's just what Snowden did the way he did it, I fundamentally disagree with. Okay. Like, I put America before my my own interest to a degree. Like, I would not take well, classified information. Well, I'm so glad that you put America in front of your own interest because nobody fucking is doing that anymore. So that's... <laughs> I know, but when I think of Snowden, I think of... There are so many ways to have leaked what he leaked in a way that didn't involve Julian Assange and Russia and Hong Kong. I'm and- not, like, arguing that he did it the best way, but, I mean, I, there's no playbook for this, you know? I think you, you probably just made a decision and, and went with it and went with the consequences of it. What are your thoughts on Chelsea Manning? I don't know enough about it. 
I gotta be honest. How about the newest case with reality winner? Um, look, I'm thankful that she class she did it. But there's consequences. Yeah. You know, like that's the whole like patriotic part of it, right? Like, and I would hope that a jury of her peers would look at it that way. Oh no, they won't. No, and history has proven that. Yeah. Um, but at the end of the day, like, there so in a are situation like that where you're working for the NSA, what is the appropriate way? Oh, to I would totally deep throat it. I would like take it. I I would I would probably. I don't know. I really don't know because it depends on what it was, right? If it's something that is going to put, like, the Russian stuff that was leaked, it's not going to put someone's life at risk, right? Like, it's not that like... That we know of. No, but from what we can tell, it's not like there's some CIA operative in Russia in the field feeding this material and we just outed them. Like, yes, it could damage the investigation. Yes, it could a lot give Russia more information about what we know. There are consequences for sure. Um... And I, I, I think it's unfortunate she's going to suffer the, the consequence of it. Um, but I, I, I could have, I, I mean, I might have done the same thing. Um, you know how, it's interesting how she got caught. Did you hear about this? No, I didn't. So um, there were like dots on the paper at the top that you can't even really see. Um, but the dots basically are a time stamp and a location stamp for where it was printed and who it was printed by. Ooh. And so when the things got released, they were able to see very clearly when, where, and who. Um, and so for those of you who might have material who yeah. are looking to disseminate it, please be mindful that it is not the deep throat days anymore. You know, there right. is there. And I guess that's my argument is that it's I think technology has sped up so much that this idea of being able to remain anonymous and to right. whistleblow in a way that you protect yourself but still at the same time are able to get important information out without going through the uh, structured channels, which I personally don't believe uh, exist or offer the appropriate amount of protection. Uh, I don't know what you do. I mean, I think that's why you get in a fucking plane and you go to Hong Kong. Yeah, I don't know. I would guess I would say I'm thankful for people. Like, this administration has more people leaking than any administration. Trump's leaking. Yeah. Previs is leaking. <laughs> Sessions yeah. is leaking. Oh, uh, Spicer probably leaked when he s- stood behind a bush. That sounds like he peed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I'm thankful that people do it. And I think that it's important if you know something is happening that is wrong that you become a voice for the justice of it. Yeah. But I guess it's just part of my personality is you go to the highest mountain and you scream it as loud as you can and you own it. Do it the smartest way you know how to do it. But, but see, I would argue, I mean, for Snowden, the smartest way was to get out of the country. There were alternatives. Uh, he chose not to do it. What would be the alternative? I mean, he could have been protected legally. Like, I think, to your point, you lose a lot of... You can't be anonymous anymore, but you have a whole, like, with the internet and social media, you have a new platform for your side to be heard that we didn't have 30 years ago, right? Like, before, they could, like, lock you up in a cell and you never be heard, but now there is a way to get your voice out without having to have, like mainstream media without having to have like the support structure that you sure would have needed so i just feel like snowden could have created a social movement with the information he had there are many things he could have done and yes he probably would have ended up in court 
like he probably would have ended up being held accountable because what he did was illegal. Um, but he could have influenced the outcome of that, but he didn't. So you have the balls to give out the information, but you don't have the balls to stand up for it. And that, I'm just a person of principle. Like if your principle is fighting for justice, then you need to be the person fighting for the justice you seek. You don't go hide in a fucking communist country and do it. It just, it's against my principles, man. Hmm. But yeah, it sucks. If you've come up on, if you're a whistleblower, your life sucks. I agree to that. Yeah. <laughs> so we're grateful for whistleblowers this yes, week. Yes. Thank you, whistleblowers. <laughs> All right. So we will close out with Lori's sellout. So I'm reading a book right now called Life and Other Near Death Experiences. Um, I really like it. It's, I actually am trying out an audiobook. Um, I'm hooked on audiobooks. Yeah, I really have been enjoying it. Um, It is a story about a woman who basically she finds out on the same day that she has terminal cancer. And her she comes home and basically is about to tell her husband, like, hey, I'm dying. And he's like, I'm gay. Oh, my God. (laughs) And so, I mean, talk about a really shitty day. And it's about how she took this really terrible experience and has turned it. I'm not all the way through it, but it's turned it into something meaningful. Fiction, nonfiction? Uh, Nonfiction, actually. Yeah. So I'm not sure exactly how it all shakes out in the end. Um, But uh, it's, it's a real powerful story. And the reason why I chose it is because... Actually, sitting in this office, the reason I'm here is because something terrible happened to me. And it put me on the trajectory to one day have my own office. Nice. Um, And, you know, I think it's, you know, there's a lot to be said about taking shitty situations and turning them into something meaningful. It doesn't mean that they're not shitty situations or that the pain or the struggle of them is in any way diminished. But I think that's one of the biggest achievements a person can have is to take something um, that's a tragedy and turn it into something else. Yeah, this goes full circle. So the whole whistleblower thing, mm-hmm. that's what I got to say about that. Like, it's going to be shitty, but you're doing the right thing and you'll you'll be a better person in the end. Yeah, okay. <laughs> but that sounds you like still it. believe. You're so, like, in some ways, like, I just, it's interesting when we talk. I'm the most cynical, believe. idealistic person I know. <laughs> it's very interesting. I'm like, fuck the system, you know? And, I know. I've and never... there, there's, there's negatives to that. I'm not trying to, you know, pretend that there's not, but... I think uh, I, I think that it's one of the most powerful things that people can do. I think hearing those stories, that's one of my favorite things when you hear the stories of people's struggles and how, how they became meaningful to them after they worked through them. Yeah, because, I mean, at the end of the day, you don't get out of this. No. Without shittiness. No. And you have to learn how to overcome it. I mean, yeah. I, I think because I have major anxiety about health things, like what if this happens to my kid? What if this happens? And you hear some of these stories, like I recently saw one where dad lost his son and he says, you know, the thought of it happening is worse than it happening because when it happens, you have to get through it. You have to survive. You have to survive it. And um, that's a disturbing thought, but there is something comforting in that, in that you have to, I mean, we have a mutual friend, um, a good friend of my husband's Mm -hmm. who has been through more than I can even like, it makes me nauseous to think about it. Um, and he's like, when you're when you're in the shit, dude, you just you're in it. plow through you it. Survive. and You got to get through it. 
So I'll have to add that to my audiobook list. Yeah. Um, I think you'll like it. I'm on the kick. Yeah. Like, and the um, the author does a fantastic job with the uh, with the audiobook. But it's my first one, but I was really, I wasn't sure what to expect. Yeah, there's but... some annoying readers. So oh, yeah, we were like, meh, 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 yeah. like the Like the, in uh, Charlie Brown, when they're like, wah, wah, yeah. wah, wah, wah. Well, another thing I've been doing, like I feel really smart when I read a whole bunch of books because mm-hmm. I'm not reading them. They're being read to me, which <laughs> kind of is ridiculous because it's like a child. But anyhow... <laughs> Um, I recently realized I can like speed up the audio. Really? And so now it's funny when I listen to audiobooks, I do it at like 1.5 or 2, and it sounds like a fast robot. <laughs> and, but you know, I'm just trying to consume. I'm getting smarter faster. <laughs> I know, that's what I feel like. Uh, oh, so yeah, funny. so I've been like going, plowing through like two books a week, and that's I feel awesome. really smart, but I'm not really reading them. Someone's reading them still, to me. It's still, you're still engaging that part of your brain where you're growing, you know, different neurons and receptors. You're not growing new neurons, but you know what I mean. I'm getting, I'm getting, I mean, <laughs> in today's world, like news is just too much sometimes. Oh, uh, so it's nice to like have audiobooks, like, but it is funny, and I highly encourage people to do it. Speed it up and see how funny people are. Right, like, I recently did Elizabeth Warren's book, and it's like her <laughs> yelling at me at 1.5 times the speed. The system is rigged! Yeah, it's, it's really good. All right, so, well, thanks for listening. I hope the sound quality was nice now that we're in a cozy little office um, instead of my old-ass house. Um, but, yeah, thanks for listening. Bye, guys. Peace out.